Hot Wheels was doing with opening parts for tires and like really nice detail. Mm-hmm. So, we'll talk about that a bit. All right, cool. Are you recording already? Yeah. I'm not even ready yet. No, not even, you're not. Not even moved on. Got my headphones on. Just sat down. <clears throat> Get right into it. Having cleared my throat. <clears> throat> Moved episode 124. Fiat 124 of Auto Off Topic. Yay. We're getting there. Getting there to what? The end? Yeah, I don't know. I guess the end. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Every day passes another day closer to we, the end. We should Welcome think of something. Podcast. Yeah, we should think of something, though, for 200. Well, I'd we like failed to... miserably at 100. So. Yeah, I would really like to make 200 something special. So. Well, let's make it there first. We're only... Yeah. At 120. Well, I want to start planning it now, because that's like, you know... Good plan. A year away. Maybe. year and a half. Depends. If we get our butts in gear and we can do two a week, come a lot quicker. Probably not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So, for now, coming at you once a week, Odd Life Topic Podcast. Uh, let's get right into Project Car Updates. Updates, down dates, and updates again? Yeah. Up and down dates? Yeah. What have we worked on? Have we worked on anything other than the one car? Uh, No, just the one car. I'll let you introduce it because I don't want to say the name that you've come up with it for. Or I haven't come up with a name. Uh, a friend of the podcast, Jordan, named it Barney. Barney the Purple Conquest. Kind of fits. It's a Barney. It's not purple, though. It's purple. It's not purple. It's Durbin Maroon, I'll have you know. Durbin, Durbin Maroon. Okay, D-U-R, sure. D-U-R, Durbin. What's uh, special about that color? It's maroon. It's well, a one-year only color, and okay. it's conquest only. So no Starians were painted Durbin Maroon, and no cars outside of 1988 were painted Durbin Maroon. Was that a color available on other Chrysler products? Stumped. I don't know. It looks like the same color that my grandmother's Chrysler New Yorker was. I feel like that car was darker, like more more purple, if you will. If you will. This thing's purple. It's not purple. It's purple. The only people who have said that it's purple are or, you and Jordan. Purple or maroon. It's Maroon is not purple. It's definitely... What? Maroon is a dark red. Okay, sure. Purple is red and blue. Whatever. Maroon is red with black. If you asked a kid what color the car was, he would say maroon. What color red. is it on the title? Is it red? I don't know. I didn't look. Maroon. Durban Maroon was available on... Yeah. Well, we're waiting. Well, I found it, but it doesn't say what it was available on. It so says, It says Chrysler product, but okay. doesn't mean that it's... So it was, uh, you say it's a one-year only color, one-car-only color, but I feel like the production numbers for Conquest were already higher than Starion's anyways. I feel that the production numbers probably weren't, but the cars sold in the States is probably higher numbers of Chrysler sold, simply due to the fact that there was already an established network of dealers. Right. So... That was, 89 was the last year for Starians? Yep. So this is an 88, so second last year, mm-hmm. but they're basically identical? 88 and 89 are like the pentultimate Starian conquests. Okay. They have the improved fuel injection, the improved ECUs, the improved rear diffs. And this car has, like, fully loaded. 
This car has everything. Heated mirrors, sunroof, uh, limited slip. It's everything except for SHP, which is the super handling package. Yeah. Which was adjustable shocks and wider wheels. They were square setup wheels? Nope. So standard ESI Starians and um, TSI Conquests came with 8-inch rears and 7-inch fronts. SHP cars came with 9-inch rears and 8-inch fronts. But the 8-inch front was not the same as the 8-inch rear from the regular car. They had different offset. Hmm. What? Uh, yeah, because it had to stay within the same flares. Yeah, and clear the brakes. What, um, what horsepower do these things put out when they're new? 180? You hit me all these questions now, and I'm not... You, I thought, were a steering conquest expert, because you had, like, five of these cars. I know a lot about them. I don't know all of the things, I guess. This one is an intercooled car, because it's a late car. Yep. It obviously is manual, because occasionally it, you'll see an automatic one, but they're mostly all manuals. There's a lot of autos out there. Is there? Yeah. When you're looking to buy them, you find almost nothing but... Huh. Which is super frustrating, obviously. Yeah, because they're the transmission's actually pretty good for the most part. Right. Oh yeah, this has the improved transmission pan, doesn't it, or the better transmission? Yeah, it's got a lot more like bracing in it. Hmm. So when they came out, they had 145 horse, non-intercooled, non-intercooled exactly. Yeah. Big old two six four cylinder. Yep, same motor in the Raider and the Sapporo. Yeah, I don't have the numbers here. Man. No good. Awful. Um, this one's got a, a matching purple maroon interior with uh, the turbo seatbelts. Yep, maroon turbo seatbelts. They say turbo, turbo, turbo down them. Yep. Uh, for some reason, somebody in the life of this car swapped in 87 and down seats. I don't know why. How do you know that? Because they're different style. 88 and 89 had a more um, bolstered seat with an open headrest, huh. like a square open headrest, like a 80s Volkswagen style huh. or a Recaro style. Um, and then the 87 down had the seats that are in the car that have the integrated headrest mm -hmm. in the seat and they're less bolstered, which is what's in the car. So it has a correct matching color, but 87 and down seat in it. All right. Now you've owned, this is your fourth one? Fifth. Fifth. Two reds, uh, champagne, the white, and now the maroon. All right. Now, what um, What do you think of the steering in them? They were only 155 horse. Really? At the end of the run? Yeah. Really? That's what it looks like. I figured they'd be a little higher than that. It was the 80s. Wow. So then in 89, Eclipse came out and it was 195. It's pretty wild. Uh, I'm finding conflicting information, so I'm just not going to say anything anymore. Because now I'm looking at I see one here that says 180. I so. feel like that would be more, that makes more sense. Yeah, I think it does too. Wouldn't be more than 200, but I bet it's between 180 and 200. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And uh, so what do you think of the steering in these things? The steering? Yeah, because it's got reciprocating ball. It's a circulating ball. ball. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not new sports car sharp, um, but it's the... I guess I'd call it the, like, ultimate version of uh, recirculating ball steering. So it's tuned up pretty well. 
I mean, they handle very well. They're very well planted. They're very good high-speed cornering cars. They're very good. Yeah. They're not nimble because they're kind of porky. You know, they're not lightweight little Miatas, but they're a good handling car. They're very planted cars. Um, having had both narrow cars and wide cars, I think we talked about this before, the narrow car is more playful simply because it has skinnier tires and a narrower track. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the wide cars are fun. They're, they handle well. They're predictable. Like I said, they're very stable on, like, a long, sweeping off-ramp turn. Mm-hmm. Um, they're enjoyable to drive. A lot of guys now swap in uh, steering racks from other cars. Yeah. Obviously, it's not a direct bolt-in swap. Um, I think there is somebody out there engineering a kit currently to do, like, a 240SX, like, bolt-in style swap. I've heard rumors and grumblings of, but nothing confirmed. Um, but a lot of guys do that swap with the 240SX steering rack. I've never had an issue with it. Um, one of the reasons people do change it, though, is because the center drag link hasn't been made in years, and there aren't any left. So if it wears out, you need a new one. Shouldn't wear out, though. Shouldn't wear out, no. Because it's got it, it's got ball joints pressed into it, so yeah, it shouldn't. you can repair them. But you can't buy a new one, so it's bent, I guess. Yeah. It's not replaceable. But, well, if you bent that, it runs under the oil pan. You've got some yeah, serious some problems. Issues, yeah. But no, I mean, they're, I don't know what has always drawn me to them. They were just the car I always wanted in high school. And I keep chasing the right one, you know? Which. They're pretty cool looking. I mean, oh, the wide body cars are very cool looking. I like narrow bodies too, though. I, well, I, I prefer the narrow body because only because I like the weirder, rarer things. But in high school, what I wanted, obviously, was the wide body car. That was like, you know, it was in high school in the mid-90s, and they were less than 10 years old. I think they mostly came in red. I think the majority of them were sold in red, yeah. I don't know production numbers of I've that either. Seen, I like them in silver. Mm-hmm. They they're rare. They're nice blues. I like, them in, I like them in yellow. It's a car that yellow works well on. I've never seen a yellow uh, five-speed car. Really? I've only seen yellow automatics. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying I've never seen one. So... I am possibly going to be looking for an interior for this car. Yeah. Um, just if anybody has any leads, if any for sale, or knows of any. Um, depending on how everything goes with the mechanics of the car, which we obviously have to get into with our project car updates. Um, the interior is pretty roached. So the car is very solid. It's a southern car. But because it's a southern car, the interior is not great. Mm-hmm. It's very brittle. A lot of plastics are cracked and broken. Uh, leather is torn. Seats don't technically match. Um, but also because it's a Durban maroon car, I can get away with a maroon interior, a tan interior, a black interior, a gray interior. It doesn't matter. So all all available options will look good with that color. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. But I may be looking for an interior soon because that's the biggest letdown of the car. Like The paint's not great, but I can live with that. The interior needs to be replaced. <laughs> yeah, the front bumper was cut and channeled. Strangely, yeah, I have to wonder if there was plans to run a giant front mount intercooler in the car at one point. Because what I found out about the car so far, um, that I was told, I had no confirmation, um, is that the car has Wiseco pistons and Crower rods, and it's got a 19C turbo, which I guess is a stock inlet side and a modified exhaust side mm-hmm. or a larger exhaust side. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a wideband O2 sensor. And there's an empty hole in the dashboard where it looks like at one point there was probably a wideband gauge. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Yeah, it looks like it had an AEM in there. Yeah. It had... It's got an HKS super sequential blow-off valve 
Yeah. Which I have to see if that's proper for the car or how to plumb it if it's proper for the car or if I should be changing that to something else. Um, and hard these, pipes. Hard yeah, these cars pipes. from the factory have rubber intercooler pipes or plastic intercooler pipes, uh, which are known for collapsing. And this, and they have bends in them that are not free-flowing. Mm-hmm. And this car has hard pipes, so replaced with hard metal pipes. So that's cool. So it's got a bunch of cool parts. Um, it had a weird clutch in it, which we'll get into with our project car updates. <laughs> but it was a center force, like, eight puck, which I don't really understand. It was a hybrid. It was a dual mass, like... Not dual mass. Dual friction. Dual friction, excuse me. Um, eight puck on one side. I don't know. It's weird. I don't understand why it was in the car. Yeah. I'll, I'll get into that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what do we have to do to it? I think we talked about it. it got pulled off the trailer. We talked about it being stuck on the trailer. We thought we needed a clutch and service cylinder. A clutch master and service cylinder, so we did that. Which I wasn't sure of, but I was like, well, they're right there. They're pretty easy it's to change. It's a good place to start. Let's start there. Yeah, exactly. And even if it didn't need them, it took an hour and a half, and now you have new hydraulics. Yep. Not a big deal. So well, the And they were super cheap. Yeah, it was $63 for both parts together. Yeah. Um, the symptoms of that were the pedal was just falling to the floor. Mm-hmm. There was no clutch pedal. So I assumed a hydraulic issue. Obviously, we went through all the work, changed everything out, tried to bleed it, still couldn't get the pedal to work. It would just fall to the floor. So something else was amiss. But before we get to that, we also had a braking issue. The car had no brakes. Yeah. Well, the car had brakes on the trailer, and as we were rolling it off the trailer, a brake line burst. Yeah, as it does. As as one does, yes. Um, so we put it up in the air, found out what brake line had let go. It was a junction block in the back of the car that goes over to the passenger side rear wheel. Out of topic, the braking podcast. Yeah, unfortunately. Which there'll be more project car updates on the brakes in this car because the calipers are all kind of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> so I might just go through it and buy new calipers, rotors, and pads all around. Just to make it nice. So we'll see. Let's make it move first. Mm-hmm. So we at least now have brakes that function well enough to move the car around. So it was a little hairy trying to move the car and not having any forward motion, reverse motion, or once you got it in motion, a way to stop it. Because it also the e-brake is disconnected. So this car sounds like an absolute piece, doesn't it? <laughs> But uh, because I had to take something else off, the console is out. Okay. So you can just lift up the auto seatbelt thing, unbolt it, the mm-hmm. reels, mm-hmm. and you can access the connection for the e-brake cables. Yeah, so we'll do that before we put it back together. Yeah. Actually, that console, console, console? That's not going back in because the console is shattered. So yeah. it was very brittle. Uh, Southern Sun destroyed, I guess. Actually, when I got it, the console itself was already broken. Yeah, like the past the driver's side of the center console where you yeah. put things was broken off yeah. of it, so I'm not worried about that. Yeah, and then I needed to get it off, and then for some reason, unlike later Mitsubishi's, these have hidden screws. Okay, that you can't get to for some reason. I don't know how. So if you were, if I was there, I could have showed you where everything is because I've taken starring center consoles apart like a thousand times. Yeah. So. But whatever, not a big deal. I'm replacing all the parts anyway, so I don't care. Stuff was already kind of broken, so yeah, we'll just let that's it Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. 
Everything's getting replaced. Also, the maroon interior is the least desirable, so nobody would have wanted it anyway. So I think it's cool. I enjoy it. I like it. I have no problem with it. But I would love a silver on maroon. I think that's a cool car. That's a, that's a common combination with the silver. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it doesn't matter because I'll get whatever color I can get a complete interior for. Mm-hmm. Somebody somewhere will have a smashed up one and be selling the interior out of it. So Clutch problems. Oh, yeah. What do we discover? How do we discover it? Well, it wouldn't bleed, and the clutch... Well, no, it would bleed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we thought it wouldn't bleed at first, and then we're like, no, it's definitely bled. Um, And then we're looking at the clutch fork, and, you know, my dad was there looking at it, too. He's like, that doesn't seem like it has a lot of tension on it. I'm like, no, it doesn't seem to. Mm -hmm. So we pulled the inspection plate, and uh, there's pieces of clutch material underneath the flywheel sticking out. Like big chunks of friction material. Like cool, so clutch fell apart, or yeah. at this point, maybe it seized on the transmission shaft. Hopefully like, not. I don't crossed. know what. Like, why would that happen? Why would that happen? So, why would the clutch fall apart? Is a question too. Because again, I drove this car onto the trailer. Yeah, which is what floors me more than anything else. So, whatever. Uh, pulled the transmission out. Because it's not a big deal on this rear-wheel drive car. No, it's pretty simple, actually. And there's not even a uh, like center bearing on the drive shaft because there's a big torque tube on the back side of the transmission. Yeah, the drive shaft's wicked short. Yeah. It's not automatic transmissions. There's no lines to undo. Yeah, and it's pretty light. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I had to get in, undo the console, get the shifter off, pull the transmission. It came right off the clutch, so I was like, well, it's not seized on there. Right. Cool. Uh, looking at the input shaft, the transmission, it looked good. Mm-hmm. There was a couple pieces in there. Clutch looked normal-ish. It's a Center Force dual mass. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. It's like a $400 clutch. I yeah, was like, expensive why part. did this thing fail? It's funny because looking at the stuff on this car, people spent the money on this car at some point in its life. Somebody balanced the clutch to the flywheel because it was match-marked okay. and painted. Hmm. So like I said, somebody put some time and effort into this car when it was yeah. put together. So, And again, you got to remember now, I bought the car under the impression that it made a bottom end noise. Mm-hmm. So we'll get back to that in a minute, too. Yeah. So I pulled the pressure plate off, and one side of the clutch disc on these, it's a dual friction, is a street-style disc, like yep. a normal Solid, OEM clutch. normal, complete clutch. Yep. And the opposite side, they put a pucks on. And I don't know what the exact advantage is of having it's so you get, like, a little more drivability than having just a solid puck clutch, mm-hmm. which that totally blows to drive on the street with a puck clutch right but new technology with street discs like you can they hold really well like you don't need that anymore also we're not talking about a 500 horsepower car here no no not at all yeah uh if anything a stock clutch would probably just at if the boost was turned up more than stock like a stock clutch would probably just about make it like with the mods that are on the car yeah I don't, I don't see why I wouldn't. And if it doesn't, it's not hard to pull the transmission out later. No. There are plenty of options. There are tons and tons of different options I saw when I was looking to order a clutch for it. So, But, I mean, if this car is making 12 PSI, stock clutch is probably fine. These cars make like 8 factory. Yeah. So yeah. if you're running 20 or something, then yeah, I could see that. If you were over 300 horsepower, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. But this car is not making that. I mean, if the mods that are in the car are really in the car 
and we it can be tuned properly, that turbo is good for about that. So maybe a little less. Well, we'll see. The so I pulled the pressure plate off, and uh, naturally the I was trying to hold the clutch, but it fell because I didn't have the alignment tool. Whatever. I knew we weren't going to reuse it because it was already clutch material, but I was worried that the it like chewed up the flywheel and it like ruined it. And really, just what happened? All of the pucks fell off the disc. And I'm pretty sure <clears throat> that most of them fell off on the trailer on the way back from the Cape. Yeah, it's the strangest thing. Yeah, because they weren't riveted to the clutch disc. No, they were, they like, were like bonded on. Yeah, they're bonded on. Probably like a brake pad. And then somehow they fell off. The car sat for a long time. But the flywheel did not have any rust on it. Right. I'm just thinking. And no signs of like rust being knocked off of it. No, it was pretty clean. Like a lot of times stock clutches will have rust on them. Mm-hmm. No, this did not. This whole car doesn't have much rust on it. It's pretty nice. So the, I mean, there's enough... It doesn't seem like it when you're looking at it, but that tiny four millimeters of clutch material is enough to not to move the to clutch move the fork, fork a far. lot further out yeah. and push it against the slave cylinder. Right. So there's not enough movement to make the pedal work. Yeah. So that, and then uh, we're like, cool. So I had that out Sunday afternoon, and then you had ordered the clutch, so you came over Tuesday night. Yeah, clutch came in Tuesday from Amazon. And we're like, sweet, let's put it in. This will be in in like two hours, and we can see if the clutch works. Right. And uh, maybe we'll get the car started the same night, and no. No. What happened there? Wrong clutch. Of course. So I went onto Rock Auto, as one does, to order parts for older cars because they stock everything. Uh, And I went to 1988 Chrysler Conquest, and it gave me two options. So I was already suspicious. Yeah. Because it gave me an option for intercooler or non-intercooler. Now, there was no non-intercooled car in 88. Right. Um, so I don't understand why that would be an option. So naturally, I picked the one for the intercooled car. It's too small. Like way too small. But yeah, like an inch and a half too small in overall diameter. So unfortunately, we couldn't get the clutch in that night. So... I went back on Rock Auto, and instead of looking it up as a Chrysler Conquest, I looked it up as an 88 Mitsubishi Starion, Yep. and it completely different information, Yep. which doesn't make any sense because the only parts that are different are the emblems and the taillights. Yes. Everything's the same. Yes. <laughs> so I don't understand what happened there. Um, anyway, I found the correct clutch. And I tried to order it, and nobody had one that I could get before, like, end of next week. Yeah, that's a bummer. So I said, this is ridiculous. Um, And I waited till today, and I actually called all the local parts houses, Mm -hmm. and I managed to find one that I'll have tomorrow. So. Cool. Good on that. Um, So I found a Vallejo clutch, which is supposedly the right one for an 88 intercooled car. Mm -hmm. When I ordered it, they didn't ask me if it was intercooled or not, so that's a positive. Mm Mm-hmm. So hopefully it works. If not, I'll be quite angry again. So Yep. I still have to return the other clutch, but it is what it is. And we tried to see if a Galant VR4 clutch would fit, but yeah, it was too big. We wanted to know if maybe the disc was the same or not, but yeah. it's a, it's almost four inches bigger, which was surprising. 
Yeah, somehow. But yeah. then we thought about yeah, the 4G 63 is a wider block than a G54B. So yep. that makes so. sense now. However, I did have the new U joint. Yep. Because I had one bad U joint. So we put a new U joint in the drive shaft. Yep. So that's good. One less thing to do. <laughs> oh, and then we were like, all right, well, we might as well get the pilot bearing out while we're here. Oh, yeah. Andrew's pilot bearing experiment. All right. So you go on the internet and, like, there's always, like, little interesting, weird tricks that they have for, like, mechanic stuff. Mm-hmm. And people are like, you can use bread to take a pallet bearing out. Right. And I was like, oh, that seems like an interesting trick. Let's try it. So, I don't, I guess we didn't do it exactly right. Okay. You need a bolt that fits the pallet bearing, like, really tight. Okay. Yes, so there's no way for the bread to grease back out around whenever yeah. you're punching in Cause there. Because it, it gets pretty dense once you start. So, you hammer, or you, you don't hammer, you feed bread into the pilot mm, bearing hole. Conquest hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and then you tap it and it pushes the bread out yep. and with it, the pilot bearing. It creates enough force behind the pilot bearing if you have a big enough bolt inserted in the middle of the pilot bearing. For it to not escape around it. To push the pilot bearing I guess out it's backwards. very useful if the pilot bearing is pushed into yeah, we didn't... cranks, but I don't know what cars is like that. Older, thought... Older stuff is like that. That they're always in the flywheel? No, older stuff is there in the end of the crank. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't really necessary because there's only six bolts holding the crank on, so you just zip uh, off. I mean, if you didn't have any way to get them off, if you're using hand tools, they're really hard to get off. Right, but also if you didn't you have, have any way to get them off, you probably aren't doing a transmission in the car. Well, you might not have any power tools. True. You're holding them. Uh, you'd have to hold the crank, counter hold it. It had two people going on it, yeah. So... That's like, um, you know, sometimes videos for work, people comment like, I don't understand why you don't use any power tools. It's like, well, we're trying to show you how to do it without with, with power common tools. tools yeah, that common people, tools. People have. Not everybody has power tools. Yeah. And we don't want people to get discouraged and be like, I don't have power tools. I can't do this. Although I will say, having used power tools, if I don't have them at my disposal, I definitely get discouraged. <laughs> yes. But sometimes you don't have them, so you have to... Do what you got to do. Go without them. Yep. Sometimes, if you're not careful with them, they break stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, there's reasons for not using them all the time. Sometimes there's reasons not to use but, them. But in this case, there was not. Yeah. I am in love with the new electric... Impact. Impacts. Or, yeah. or just electric power tools now. Yep. Because battery technology is so good now. It's so good. Matter. And you don't have to have the hose yep. for the air compressor hanging Freedom. around. And it doesn't kick on and make a bunch of noise. Mm-hmm. So I've got, uh, I've probably talked about this. Last year it was like Christmas time. It was mm-hmm. on sale. Uh, or the year before, in 2017, it was a uh, Ryobi 20-volt half-inch cordless impact. Yep. Like 300 foot-pounds of torque. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those zip those right off. I have the Milwaukee one with the same spec. Yeah. So it's also it's, pretty good. It's pretty. I just never straight. get to use it because Andrew always brings this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the same 19-millimeter socket. Impact socket fit the backside the backside of the flywheel, and I just popped it right out. Yep, it came out in like maybe a minute. Yeah, <laughs> tops. It, it wasn't. A <laughs> and big most deal. of that minute was spent finding the power tools. <laughs> and then I had to dig out a bunch of bread that was jammed in the end of the crank. Yeah, it was pretty gross. <laughs> the squirrels ate well last night in your yard, though. Once you threw it all in the yard. Yeah, and then died of all the grease that was in it. Nah, they're fine. The squirrels, they've eaten worse. It was moldy bread. Also fine for squirrels. Yeah. So. Everything squirrels eat is moldy because they store it for an entire <laughs> six months at a time. Oh, and then we had the starter out, and 
uh, my dad took it down to the local parts store and had it tested during the day, so it was all set. He did that because the car was cranking real slow? Yeah, and he didn't want us to put it back together and then have a bad have starter. A junk, yeah. So, a la the Raider. <laughs> right. But I think that the car was cranking real slow because the battery was really dead and possibly because there was friction material jammed inside the, <laughs> against yeah, the flywheel. And, the... and it needs new battery terminal ends. Yeah. Those so have we'll a, do all that. They have a lot of resistance together. to them. So, yeah. I'm going to replace those. Fresh-ish battery. I'll buy a brand new battery. For all right. Them. Yeah. I don't have anything lying around that's going to work, so I'll just buy a new one. Yeah. No big deal. And then, ideally, it should move after that. We can try to knock the calipers free. Fingers crossed. It'll definitely move with the calipers even the way they are. Because we were able to push it. We were able to pull it with the Raider and then push it a few feet back and forth mm-hmm. by you know manpower. So, And we don't have a lot of manpower, so yeah. we made it work. So it's getting there. But bread trick didn't work very well for us. No. Because we didn't do it right. Some people say it works. Those if you need to do it, us. you need to do it. Some people, however, also told us that grease works better. It's everybody it, said pack grease. It with grease. Which I wouldn't. I mean, I think that would squeeze out easier. But to me, it doesn't seem that grease is as dense as bread. But I'm I'm being told otherwise. So I. And we'll have to have a contest where one of us eats grease and one of us eats bread and yeah. see who gets full first. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know anything else with that car. I don't think so. I think it's already done for now. Uh, all right. So I've got. I bought OEM fuel lines, clamps, and intake gaskets for the Subaru to fix the fuel leak because the intake has to come off. Super cool um, because it's been cold and it stinks like fuel whenever I try whenever to start it's it. Cold, yep. The uh, but the intercooler has to come off and the intake tube has to come off. So I bought um, they're like knockoffs. I mean. Really like, you know, there's the Perrin stuff or the Cobb stuff. It's yep. crazy expensive, and it's just silicone tube. And you look at it, you're like, hmm, really? Silicone tube? And then there's, there was, for a while, it was a, the Mishimoto, which uh, I refused to use because it was so difficult to fit in Jordan's car, and the quality was not very good. Right. I remember fighting with that in Jordan's car. So for like a quarter of the price, there's this random company it's probably made in the same factory just not branded just not branded it was like an intake tube was 50 bucks silicone Mm -hmm. and the other tubes were 50 bucks okay like the two it's like a y pipe that comes off the intercooler and then the little coupler to go to the throttle body and then the little crossover tube to hook to the blow valve i wouldn't say we're recommending buying knockoff parts on a regular basis but in this particular case we actually had trouble with the name brand parts so we're like, screw it, let's try something that's cheaper. Uh, you know, when you look at how stuff's made, it's like, hmm. there's a certain time when you pay for quality stuff, but if, especially if it's stuff you know is being made in the USA, like the adventure-driven design stuff, or the Spliceworks shackles that we've talked about recently, but like these intake tubes are probably all made overseas, mm-hmm. and it looked to be the same quality as... Like, I've gotten HPS stuff. So, I've already been running these hoses, the same company, the radiator hoses we replaced that were leaking on the on the Subaru. Same company. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. They fit perfectly. So, I figured we'd go for it. Um, 
I mean, it's like it came with all the right hose clamps. It was a complete kit. So let's see how it works. Yep. I mean, I'll be careful taking off the old stuff just in case. As careful as I can be if it doesn't tear. Right. But I want to have all the stuff on hand. But if it does tear, the OEM stuff, I can be replaced. But might as well put the new stuff in. And uh, I think I'll take... These are like screw clamps that tighten up. I'm going to take a little drop of blue Loctite. So once they're tight, they don't vibrate and back out. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it's also real, you'll put the clamps in. You'll I'll have, put them in a position so that I could reach them, right? And retighten them. Because right now the part you tightens on the bottom, so you can't get. It's to upside it. down, yep. because when it went down the assembly line, it was facing up when whoever assembled it, and then got put on the engine. More than likely. Yeah. So that's a super bummer. But that's about all I have for that. Uh, we'll have more ones to do the work. Yeah. As soon as the, uh, as soon as old Barney's out of the garage, there we're gonna work on that. Should be already. And um, actually, I ordered brakes for the Sephora as well. Yep. All right, cool. Because uh, that guy's going to Austin. Yeah. Although we're not going to talk Radwood right now because people get angry at us. Yeah. Radwood, Radwood, Radwood. No. We're good. Take your free content and deal with it. <laughs> uh, no, there'll be plenty of talk about that later. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to go to listener questions. Yes, we did ask listener questions tonight. Uh. My mom had one on Facebook. That was the only one I had on Facebook. The main page had a bunch. The main page had a bunch? Yeah. I did not see it. Yeah. There's, well. There's, there's nine. <laughs> oh, all right. So, well, I get my mom's one here. So, Sandra Pascarella, and she asks, what is the Tom Brady of cars? And I th- take that as being the greatest of all time, which is like. It's hard to say the greatest of all time. Super hard to answer. Um, however, I think that we should dial that back a little bit okay because the majority of our listener base is not in tom brady country don't care so when we say the greatest of all time we he mean, is the greatest of all time that's without a doubt <laughs> let's not turn this into a, a a sports ball podcast because we don't know enough and we're gonna well get we'll just wrong. crank up all the volumes we'll just yell at each other yeah yeah let me tell you yeah the brady era is unstoppable okay um sorry i peaked everybody's speakers yeah I apologize. Good job. Well, yeah, you told me to do it. That's all your fault. I um, I, I don't know the do it. I don't know the greatest of all time is. Um, the internet has always told us that Miata is always the answer because it's such a great all around car. It might actually be. Yeah, it's such a great all around car. It does everything you want it to do. It, it does sold it well. a bunch. It was well built. Every now and then, every now and again, it fails. Yeah, like a Tom Brady. Every now and again, he makes mistakes. He's only human. This car is only a Mazda, so I think that would be the. I don't know. I'm not yeah. even sure. I can the guy drive a car? That'd be kind of weird if he couldn't. Oh, I mean, he can. He's remember he had an accident a couple years ago in like oh, Cambridge in the Audi. No, he drives Audis. That makes sense. Yeah, he crashed his A8 into somebody at a stoplight. It was big news when it happened. Oh. Hmm. So I mean, maybe he can't drive a car. <laughs> maybe he can't. That'd be pretty funny. It's hard for him to accelerate and brake wearing his Uggs. <laughs> See, we can make fun of him too. Hey, whatever. Anyway. He's the greatest all-time kid. Yeah. Well, sports. Super Bowl. No. Nobody cares. Well, I, we care a little <laughs> bit right now because next Sunday, obviously, is the annual Patriots Super Bowl game. Sure. I mean, that happens every year. So yeah. We just lost 70% of our listeners. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't care about football. Go Pats, kid. Yeah. All right. Going to the Facebook page. Are, right. you, are you there now? Do you see the questions? No. 
because I was ready to go to Instagram. So okay. take it away. So we'll start with Facebook. The first post actually isn't a question. Uh, TJ just says, I just wanted to share the Mafuggin Rare Main Seal Tool. And literally, it's just a giant hole saw. Oh. <laughs> that says Mafuggin Rare Main Seal Tool on it. So that's pretty funny. Um, Juliet Jake. At what temperature do you guys decide a repair can be put off? I discovered today that my water pump is leaking today, but the wind chill is negative 21, so I'm calling it good for now. Uh, I only have access to a garage on weekends. Yeah, I agree, man. <laughs> That's, like, dangerous. That's too cold. At what temperature do I decide it's too cold? Um, anything under 45 is too cold to work outside? Yeah. We're definitely, we've become prima donnas because we have access to a heated garage. So, yeah. I actually paid somebody to put belts on my car the other day because I had to get it done and it was like 11 degrees out and I didn't have access to the heated garage at that moment in time. So I begrudgingly paid somebody to put belts in my car. Yeah. And then I went to start it the next morning and they squeaked like crazy because I didn't do it myself. So that was frustrating. So I had to go back and make them fix it again because since I did pay them to fix it, I certainly wasn't going to go in there and fix their issue. Mm -hmm. So, but that's all fixed now. So yeah, I'd say anything under, under 40 degrees is where I don't do well outside, which is pretty much why I'm moving to Arizona. (laughs) Yep. All right. Jason Hamill says, where did you get that sticker and how can we get them? I assume he's talking about the sticker on the picture. Yes. Which is the dead reliable, um... Skeleton beard sticker mm-hmm. that came from our friends at the Average Squad. Yep. Which is it? AverageSquad.com. I believe so. Just Google Average Squad. They're on. Um, they're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. And actually, on our page, Andy Carter, who is a member of the Average Squad, replied yep. with the link. It's yep. AverageSquad.BigCartel.com. Right, and they do have AverageSquad.com as well, so yep. you can get there either way. They have a bunch of funny stickers. They do. They have some really but good ones. They have ones. a bunch of stickers that I wish we came up with, Yeah. but since we didn't and I like them, you should go buy stickers. We'll them. promote them. Yeah. Also, they're really nice guys. I've yeah. met a bunch of them at different places around the country. We met them down in Atlanta. You met them in a couple of them in LA, or you talked to them. Yeah, we chatted on the phone. We never actually got together, so that's nice. But, but we did We did meet uh, Gary. In Atlanta, so I, bu- I think the sticker is actually supposed to be Gary. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, Joe Davis, new tool? Question, question, question mark. Not till later this year, though. Does he mean the band? Uh, he does, yes. But oh. it's because is Brett a suitable car repair tool, or what's your favorite new tool? But Joe Davis's favorite band of all time is Tool. Oh, so uh, that's news to me. They're coming out with a new Tool album. I mean, they've been saying that for the past few years. I'm pretty sure. So okay, well, believe what we see. I guess. All right. Jason Hopkins, regarding the tool comment, anything is a suitable tool if it does the job. Fair enough. Favorite tool I have right now, my trusty Stanley 99E Utility Life. has a nice heft and is dead nut simple. Stays in my pocket all the time at work, except in places where I can't take it. Yeah, a utility knife is a pretty useful thing to have on you. I like the flip-out ones. Yeah, both of them work. I mean, neither one of them are going to open in your pocket, so. No. I keep a flip-out one. I've got an old Craftsman one I've had through, like, Four jobs. A utility blade one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those look too. Yeah. It's the red Craftsman, and it's yep. anodized aluminum, and it's like worn down on the it's edges now. mostly silver now. Yeah. 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 No, but I've had that Stanley 99E as well, so it's a very simple, old school style 
basically box cutter style. Yeah, because when you work in parts, it's you're just constantly putting opening parts, parts away and opening boxes and cutting boxes down. I find anytime you work in the automotive industry, you deal with a lot of cardboard. So yeah. it's good to have a utility knife around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with that. That's a good tool. All right. Frank Eck, do the models and scaled cars really get you through the winter? It's winter here in Florida. Sunday was raining and 50. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was out wheeling in the rain, soaked in 50 degrees freezing. Doesn't seem logical move for south for a car guy. It does. Hence why I'm moving to Arizona. Um, yeah, models and scale cars really have gotten me through the winter for the first 38 years of my life. So, I, yeah, they do. Period. It gives me something to do. And in fact, I'm pretty sure when I moved to Arizona, when it's 120 degrees out, the yeah, scale cars about it, well, yeah. will get me through those days. So... <laughs> I'm not worried about that. I'll still have steel cars no matter what. But yeah, they do. They keep me entertained, I guess. I mean, I still would have been like, if I had gone to the Rolex 24 over the weekend, I would have been, been hanging out. Florida, yeah, in the rain. Been, it's it's still fun. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so, no, it's it's the it's relative. If you're used to cold, then like 50 doesn't seem that cold. 50 is like a heat wave. If yeah. we had 50 right now, it'd be great. Our, our low tonight is, I think, 7. Yeah. So I would gladly take 15 uh, rainy. No weather. All right. Well, he asked a question about weather, so that's the listener's fault. Okay. Um, Frank, stay tuned. I might be in your area in the next few weeks, so I'll give you a buzz. All right. Cool. Uh, oh, we asked my mom's question. For some reason, she messaged that to me. Uh, At least she messaged it to the podcast. Yeah. That's okay. It's all right. Andy Carter. Why can't Toyota design their own sports cars anymore? I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do that. Because they're all about getting back to, you know, like driving matters. Is so, that them? No, that's that's Mazda. No, but I'm, I'm going to forget his name. The new head of Toyota is a car enthusiast. Yeah. Um, and in fact, one of the first things he did was he gave his engineering team the keys to his personal, like, 92... Um, 16 valve FX16 Corolla, and said, "Make cars drive like this." Yeah, but I think that the current crop of cars that you're seeing coming out is left over from the former head of Toyota. Yeah, stuff that was already too far into yeah. progress to be stopped. I um, I'm interested in the new Corolla hatchback with a yep. manual. That's like yep. it's a decent looking car, and supposedly, from what I've heard, and it's a very good driving car. Well, the the 18, which is a different generation mm-hmm. that I drove as a rental was a very nice driving car. A mm-hmm. uh, very simple car. Like, I'd go for it. Yeah, and the 19 is supposed to be even better. Like that, I would consider as a daily commuter, because I want good, really good fuel mileage, but I also want something that's fun to drive. I would Entertaining, consider, but economical. I would consider one of those, and I like having the space of a hatch mm-hmm. or a Mazda 3. So I have to wonder if that's one of the cars that the new head of Toyota Yeah. Came up with after giving his engineering team his FX sixteen. Yeah. So so that or a hatch Mazda three with a manual. We do have your mom's question here, and she put a couple extra things here after it. Oh, did she? Yeah. So we screwed up her question already because she says, "Don't say the goat." What I mean is, it has to be one that's the most hated. Oh. So that means if it's the most hated, it's the new Supra. No, 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 no. Everybody but, hates the new Supra. No, the mo- <laughs> no. The most hated car of all time is the Prius. That's the most hated by car enthusiasts. Which I guess super probably the same. Yeah. Well, Prius is good. Good or, answer. Or hashtag tan cam. <laughs> yeah. PT Cruiser. 
PT Cruiser, actually. PT Cruiser convertible to steal from our other Oof. podcast friends. Oof. Yeah. Those are up there. Uh, they're, all, they're all up there. So I think we'll Aztec. say the Prius would be the Tom Brady and the PT Cruiser will be, what's his name from the Colts? Peyton Manning. Yeah, there you go. It's Peyton Manning. Yeah. <laughs> Dodge Colt. No. <laughs> Colts are the greatest guys of all time. Colts, Colts are the goats. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Uh, Gillette Jake. Pros and cons of old cars in the winter. I daily a 77 Caprice, and the only thing I wish for is a remote start. Well, Juliet Jake, I'll say the biggest con of an old car in the winter yeah. is that your water pump is leaking and you can't fix it because it's winter time. Although, if it's the 77 Caprice, it's not too bad no, to do. No, it's not bad to do, but he mentioned in his other question that he didn't want to do his water pump because yeah. it was <laughs> I hope the heat works if it's leaking. Um, as long as there's enough coolant in it, it probably yeah. should. And hopefully it's just a water pump and not like a heater core. So. Well, it's pretty easy to determine so, that if it's at the front of the engine. Pros to driving an old car in the winter? It's fun. Yeah. Uh, if it's like an old beater, you can bounce it off of snowbanks. And not care too much. Yeah. You can ba- rip donuts, parking lots. Yep. Little kinds of fun stuff like that. Uh, cons to driving cons, is it? The salt. S- starting it in the cold. Yeah, starting it in the cold. Uh, yeah, if you're an area that uses salt, it will eventually disintegrate. Yep. If it breaks, it's difficult to fix because it's rusty. Um. It might not have a great heater. That's a big problem. It's got to have a good heater. I have never had an old car with a bad heater, though. Like, I literally, in the Raider, I have to turn it down. Yeah. Because it gets hot in there. Real hot. Yeah. So, I have not had that problem. Strangely, the Montero heater is not great. It's because it's so used to driving around in Arizona. Probably. (laughs) Actually, have you ever flushed out the heater core on that? It eventually gets hot, but it takes a while. Yeah, maybe the heater core just needs to be cleaned. Or like a flush kit through it could have some blockages in it. From not Probably. being used a lot. Probably. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the biggest the biggest con is damage to the car. Other drivers, if your older car gets hit by another driver in a snowstorm or icy roads. That's the thing, it'll pretty much be totaled. It'll be totaled. Or if it's not totaled, it'll be hard to find parts. Yeah. So, yeah, the preservation of the car. Um, I would never drive a car that had never seen winter that was old in the winter. Yeah. But I don't have much problem driving a car that already has some rust in the wintertime. If it was bought new here in New England and driven year-round since new. Just undercoated. And somehow managed to survive till now. Yeah. Just undercoated and use it. But but, but take take care of it. Undercoat it, clean it, make sure it doesn't get worse. Which is the theory behind my Subaru, which doesn't seem like an old car, but that's 15 years old. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that's just, uh, trying to stave off, uh, stem the rust cancer as long as possible. Yep. So, also, I like your 77 Caprice because they're big and dumb and awesome. And the 77 still has the cool individual taillights. Mm-hmm. All right. Jeremy's got a very hard question for us. It is a very here. hard question. Do you believe there are different levels of gearheads? If so, how would you describe these levels? And can you give famous examples of each level? Ouch. Different levels of gearheads, huh? I don't think there's different levels of gearheads. There's different types? As a rule. Or different... I think if you're into cars, you're into cars. Okay. There are different types of gearheads. There's the gearhead that wrenches, the gearhead that talks, and the gearhead that drives. Rarely is there a combination of all three. Um, what I mean by that is... 
I don't know what I mean by that. Some people like working on cars. Some people like driving cars. Some people like reading about them and talking about them. I mean, there's... I can see that. Yeah. I... I, I yeah, I can see that. Uh, some people will pretend gearheads. They're into it for the... I don't know. They drive a cool car because they think it makes them cool. I guess. And then they get really yeah. they get really into that one sub model, and they think that like the world revolves around them because they have that car. It's kind of like the Harley Davidson effect of cars. Okay. <laughs> like the guy that rides a Harley. Maybe not every guy that rides a Harley, but you think of the the stereotypical guy rides a Harley, wears all Harley gear, always talks about his Harley. You show up next to him on your Japanese bike, and he's like. Poo poo you, your Japanese bike, you're a terrible human being. He said his motorcycle license for six months. Yes. Yes. Um rides to the bar, gets shit faced, crashes his Harley. I guess there might be different levels of uh gearheads. I'm gonna have a different opinion here. This is a hard question to answer and we're we're actually like working it out in our heads live over the air here, so it's hard to well, say. That's fine. That's uh I would say, yeah, you've got like entry level uh, you know, like person who got their first you know just got their license uh, you know maybe they've been to reading car magazines but now they have their first car but suddenly you know that dream world when you're younger of like i'm gonna have like a newish car when i'm older like, enough to drive yeah, i'm gonna like, get my license and i'm gonna have a porsche yeah like that doesn't happen um unless you're like incredibly lucky so you usually end up with an old beater and you're like well i'm gonna drive this my thing. 1985 cutlass yeah and i'm gonna drive pride. the crap out of it because it's my car finally and mm -hmm. i can drive it around and maybe you start to learn to fix it so i guess that's like an entry-level person and then as you progress you've made a little bit more money you get a more confident in fixing stuff maybe you take on a project car or you buy a slightly nicer car and it's got more performance to it so and then you kind of learn more and you're then you're going to like you know, it might be like a specific mark, I guess. Well, it definitely has to be a specific mark if you buy a car, right? But you might pick a car either because it has a community or you find the community for it. And then you get really into it there and you're kind of like mid-level, I guess. And you're like learning about the car and all the things about the car. And you hang out with people that have the same car and you're doing I'm the same mods. I'm just seeing that meme in my head that shows like the blue background with the outline of the guy with the brain. It's like entry-level car guy. Yeah, has the maybe. one car. <laughs> and then finally get down to the last one. It's just like, owns one of every model, every type, does every stat of every car. It's exploding brain. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that. but And then I think as you, uh, maybe as you get older, you might branch out into different cars. You learn more about fixing cars. Uh, you have more money. You're more stable. You can have a place to store your burgeoning car collection if you're into that. Yeah. And then you just end up collecting more cars. So... You said a couple of things there, though, that contradict themselves. What's that? You said that as you get older, you have more money and you're more stable and you have room to put your cars. Yeah. And, and collect your cars. Yeah. But if, as you're getting older, you're collecting more cars and buying more cars, well, you're not stable and you don't have any money. There's Good. a difference between <laughs> hoarding cars and uh, collecting them and curating them. Would you consider me a hoarder or a curator? Uh, or am I a hybrid of the two? Uh, you kind of hoard stuff a little bit. You think so? Eh, for a while you did. You don't need to have all the Colts. I only have three. Yeah. Right now. Not all the Colts. There's at least four. 
in the world. Um, yeah, I I think if you follow like a, you're like a different I'm case. A different, I'm a different breed. Yeah, if you follow like a a pretty average trajectory. So you have not going back to that meme of the brain with the blue background. You have the three things, then you have the brain exploding in the back. It's just Brad. He's ridiculous. Well, I He's like a crazy person. I started out with one car, and then. Eventually See, I had two cars. Here's my problem. And now I have three cars. I've never had one car. Yeah. Ever. And now I have. I only have four cars. But I have a place to keep two of them inside. And the other two can live outside. Because they're not as nice. My father is crazier than I am when it comes to cars. Yeah. So that's where I learned it from. Um, learned it from you, Dad. 100%. But because of that, when I got my license, I already had three cars. Okay. Already had a bad start. Right. So I was off to a bad start. I had my Camaro, which I still have, my 85 Cutlass, and I had that 84 um, GMC Caballero. Oh, yeah. That thing. Yeah. So. Which I, just, Andrew I just hates, made a face. Andrew hates truck cars. Like a, yes. Like a, it's like somebody ripped a fart face. He, he took a sip of his bourbon Ooh. and he went, whoa. Ooh. Um, um, so, yeah, I've never had one. I've never had one car. So. I mean, all right. So famous examples of weird, each. weird flex, but that's okay. <laughs> um, getting back to the question, Jay Leno is like pent ultimate car guy, top right. Yeah. Has everything, knows everything about them. Yep. Followed closely by like Tim Allen. Really? I don't know what his collection is like. Oh yeah, huge car collection. Now on the other side of it, wealthy car collections. You have Ralph Lauren. Yep. Uh, he's probably more. He's more investor than car guy. I think, and then he's, but he's more curated than oh, Jay Leno, hundred uh, percent. And then I would say, like, like Jay Leno has a Ford Fiesta, <laughs> like yeah. Ralph Lauren does not. So then I would say, like, uh, like a Jerry Seinfeld is into single, single mark, yep. so Porsche, uh, and he's he's very into those and mm-hmm. knows a lot about Porsches. And along the same lines of that, you have Adam Carolla, who's into Datsuns. Yep, and then collecting s- like Newman specific yeah. cars and memorabilia. So, yeah, those would be, like, famous examples. Um, then you have the bottom end of the barrel, where you have somebody who's famous because he thinks cars make him look cool, like a Richard Rawlings from Gas Monkey Garage. He doesn't strike me as a car guy. He strikes me as a guy who owned a car and saw dollar signs. Yeah, I mean, that's the outward persona. Yeah. Well, anytime you see him not on his show or anything about his show, he's not driving old cars. He drives, like, a Dodge pickup truck. It's probably because they give it to him for free. Fine, but he doesn't drive old cars other than yeah. when he's on the show. Yeah. So maybe he does. Who knows? But the persona you see because he's a famous person is of that. And then I think there's a, a lot of like middle of the road. The middle of the road guys that are like approachable and are very cool are like Matt Farah. Yep. Uh, Mike Musto is really cool. Yep. These guys aren't famous, famous. Though. Those guys are only famous in the realm of what we're in. Exactly. That's but what if, I'm talking about. Yeah. But there's still some famous people that are slightly into cars. That have interesting cars, that could have much more expensive, fancier cars, like uh, Conan O'Brien. Oh, okay. Has his um, '92 SHO that he still drives all the time. Yep. Um, another Dax one. Shepard. Yep. Another one I've heard of. Uh, Lady, Rutledge Wood. Lady Gaga. Um, like daily drives like a '93 Ford Lightning. All right. And like a '65 Lincoln Continental. That's like she cool. could have Bentleys, you know what I mean? But she doesn't. She has like pretty mainstream cars and like she's like a 68 bronco and stuff like that so i think matthew mcconaughey is like that too possibly yeah possibly he probably has a lot of lincoln's now i bet though 
Well, according to the commercial, he just always drove Lincolns. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't drive them because they were cool. Yeah. They're the thing to drive. But there's a lot of famous car famous car people who aren't like car people, car people, but they're into cars. Yeah. Or well, who's the comedian with all the puppets? The, the Jeff, guy. Jeff Dunham. Oh, that guy? He, yeah. yeah, he's not a very funny comedian, but he's a killer car collector. Yeah, well, some somebody thinks he's funny, so he has enough money. Right. But his car collection is way more respectable to me than his comic yeah. performances, because um, he collects stuff like obs- obscure, oddball stuff. Like he loves Gremlins. Oh, he has like the nicest Gremlins. And then he could be like Guy Fieri with all his yellow cars. Guy Fieri is just a mess as a human being. <laughs> so, all right, I think that answers the question. Let's move on. I don't think it does answer the question, but at the same time, I'm happy with the response. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it answers the question, but I'm okay with the response. I have to go over to our Instagram page now. All right. Checking it out. You got it? Yep. Mike Samcan. What podcast do you guys listen to? So as the podcast hosts, we're obviously expected to have a list of podcasts that we listen to. I made myself a list, so I'll go first. Go ahead. Uh, and Start go with car-related. Yep. So I got my car-related ones that I listen to on the regular would be Drive Well Awesome, DWA. Yep. I like Clutch Kick and TST, Smoke Tire, and occasionally Hooniverse. Um, I'm always looking to try new ones, though, so I'm open to any suggestions of something I might like. So you can send us messages, and we'll check them out. Uh, as far as comedy podcasts go, because I don't... Sometimes I need to listen to stuff that is not about cars, mm-hmm. just to get my brain off of it. Oh, for because sure. Because I also Plus, work also with cars. also makes us well-rounded people. Yeah. I really love, because I like movies, I really like Never Seen It, which is uh, Kyle Ayers, I think, is the comedian, the host. He is, yep. So he gets comedians, and they take a movie that they've never seen before, and they write a script for it. And based, they, based on their limited knowledge they have. Yeah, like on the title and like maybe a Wikipedia page on the movie, yeah. and they are hilarious. Yeah, they're pretty good. And they do like the voice acting and stuff, and, and just like really cheesy like sound effects it's it's so funny and then i like uh uh dumb people town with the sklar brothers mm-hmm. and uh 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 what, what's the other comedian's name uh van kirk dan van kirk dan van kirk and they usually have a special guest who's a comedian and they run down just dumb news stories just people doing dumb things and they just rip on them and they mm-hmm. just do riffs and that's funny and um, as far as like weird stuff, because I really like out there things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Astonishing Legends. Mm-hmm. And I can't listen to that one. But it's so good. You I, should listen to I, it. I just I don't. No, but they they talk about it in like a. It's like a very down to earth way. They like examine stuff. They very down to earth way of talking about Bigfoot. Yeah. 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 It's All different right. things. UFOs. Yeah. They did one recently on the Bet Spear. Uh, sphere. Sphere. Yeah. Which is like insane story and it's like really good storytelling it's cool i like it i don't have um, a commute anymore so it's hard to keep up with even the few automotive ones i see i have an hour and a half commute yeah. so i i burn through podcasts uh oh of course oh my god i forgot car podcasts the gearhead project yeah the most important one i was yes. gonna i was gonna lambaste you for that one in a minute i, I listened to there, three but... of them on the way home and i yeah. forgot so just slipped my mind um and then reply all that's a great one which it's just kind of like crazy tech stories related to the internet. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's really good. I love Reply All. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And then I was really into Crime Town, and then like we're gonna put it on Spotify only. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not listening to that anymore. Yep. Crime Town. Crime Town was good. That was a bummer, but so that pretty much rounds it. All out. right. So my list. Yep. Um, all the same ones you said. Driving Wild Awesome. Um, California-based, a lot of Porsche content, but also a lot of sports car content in general. Mostly vintage car stuff. Clutch Kick Podcast. Mostly California-based. Similar content. Half in Yeah, half Ohio. California, half Ohio. Um, there's some motorcycle content on there as well, which I appreciate. Um, so, sorry to two of the hosts that make fun of the other guys who ride motorcycles on the show, but I enjoy the motorcycle content We've on We've also show. met all of them in person. And yes, we have. They're all good people. Same with DWA guys. They're all yep. good people. We know them personally as well. Um, adding to the automotive ones, I was going to add Curehead Project because somehow you forgot. Yep. Um, Sorry, Ryan. Yeah. I also like uh, Motor Cult. Um, it's a Midwest-based podcast, which is an interesting perspective. I listened to like one. I got to listen to some more. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. I, I enjoy those guys. Um, as far as non-car stuff, well, car stuff as well. Uh, car stuff, actually motorcycle stuff. Um, I also listen to uh, Motorcycles and Misfits. Oh, okay. Which is a good one. It's a, um, they call it the Recycle Garage. It's basically like a motorcycle mechanic co-op garage where people just hang out and help each other work on motorcycles all the time. Oh, that sounds like fun. In California, yeah. And there's usually, it's like a round table discussion with like five to ten people each week. That sounds cool. It's pretty entertaining. I like that one a lot. Uh, Let's see, there's some other ones on there that are friends of ours that we listen to, like uh, Daily Daily Brief Auto and um, uh, Gear Clash. We listen to those guys sometimes. Um, Sorry, not as much as we should, but there's so many podcasts. Um, Non-car stuff. Along the same lines as you, Reply All, um, Sometimes Never Seen It. I'm a big fan of My Brother, My Brother and Me. I think it's very funny most of the time. Um, I know that a lot of people don't like their voices, <laughs> but I see that. Um, Every Little Thing, did you talk about that? No, but I've listened to it with my wife. My wife really likes it. What's that? I don't seek it out, Every Little Thing. Oh, really? I, yeah. I, I enjoy it. There's a lot of good stuff on that. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff in the Gimlet Network is really really good right uh and season one of crime town is still available on gimlet season one is amazing it's one of the best podcasts i've ever listened to ever it's a it takes place right here in new england yeah in rhode island it's a 20 episode season they're all a half hour each so it's 10 hours telling the story of the rise and fall of buddy cianci, buddy cianci the mayor of yeah or excuse me the yeah the mayor, mayor of providence, mayor, mayor of providence yeah. yeah so that would be my main podcast listening stuff i could go on and on and on, but there's so many of them. <laughs> that's right. only question number one. All right, cool. Uh, we can skip that one. Car-themed tattoos, yay or nay? What do you think? We're, mean, not, we're not tattoo guys. I don't have any tattoos. I don't have any. I'm afraid of needles. I don't know about you. I prefer not to get needles in me. Yeah. Um, I did one point think if I ever was going to get a tattoo, it would be... See... If you say a Mitsubishi three diamond, no, that was not going to be that was not going to be it. Um, but what I thought the tattoo would be, okay, would be something fairly large because I wouldn't want just would it small. be like carb life in old English across <laughs> your stomach? No, because <laughs> and then like people, I have a because, four bell carburetor. Because then people would be like, "Oh, carb life on your stomach and you're fat. You must like bread," <laughs> which is true. 
and pasta, <laughs> but not what we're going for. Uh, no, but I always thought there'd be some kind of. Would way- it be like on, on your shoulder blades, like twin Colts, and like, but instead of Colt handguns, it's two Colts on your shoulder blades. <laughs> No, it would not be that. <laughs> Just think of what your prison tattoos would be. So I was thinking of if I was going to do it. And be the so, oil drip on your eye. You suck. Um, it would be gasoline because carbs. Yeah. Um, somebody asked this question a long time ago to me before there was ever a podcast or anything. Like, you had to design one tattoo for yourself. What would it be? So what I had was something that like started on my shoulder and went down my arm. Okay. And it was like a quarter sleeve kind of thing. Okay. But could be added to as life went on. Okay. And it would be an intricate design. Yeah. I don't know what kind of design it would be, but worked into the design would be like very subtly the emblem from each car I'd ever owned. Okay. And as life went on, I could add to it. But it wouldn't be like, like obviously. I mean, it'd be easy because it's mostly Colt emblems. It's, it's a bunch of Mitsubishi <laughs> emblems. Integrated into the design, you wouldn't even know as Mitsubishi's anymore. Um, but that was what I thought of. I mean,. I'm not against car tattoos. No, I'm not. I've either. seen a lot of terrible car tattoos. Yeah, but not I've seen lie, some really but I've awesome seen some ones. cool ones yeah. too. Like I have a few friends who are into like the um, traditional hot rod rockabilly style. So they have a lot of tattoos, and um, a couple of them have like a rat vink style like cartoon character driving the the monster driving the hot rod, the big shifter coming out of it, mm-hmm. or they'll have like flames going up their arm, and then have like. Big V8 at the top. Yeah, of I've seen people with like pistons and spark plugs, and some of the yeah. stuff looks really cool. It's I just do, not my style. I, I just I can't, I can't do it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not anti-tattoo in any no. way. I, if, if you want tattoos, you do you. Um, I think they're cool looking. I just, I've never pulled the trigger because also they're expensive for a car guy. They're very expensive. Um, and I like to spend all of my extra money on pieces of shit old cars. Yeah. So, I don't have extra money for tattoos. No. <laughs> No, but no. So yay, not nay. Yay, it has to be a nice artwork. Obviously, as any tattoo has to be, because you can easily get shitty tattoos of anything. Yeah, don't pick it off the wall. Right, yeah. make it mean something to you. Yeah, don't get like bow tie till I die or something like that. Yeah. Just that would be bad. All right, first on race day. Not good. Incorporated X, Josh. When removing a pilot bearing, do you recommend white, wheat, or multi-grain bread? Alex Stadel adds Dutch Crunch, uh, Yeti Overland, Why Not, and Everything Bagel. <laughs> and uh, Alex Stadel says Health Donut not <laughs> need not apply. So I assume a Health Donut is a bagel. <laughs> they're not really that healthy. They're right, delicious. But they call them a Health Donut because they're like healthier than a donut. Yeah, barely. Um, we discussed this last night, and my suggestion was Raisin Bread. Because you have the extra density of raisins. Yeah, I mean the stickiness. We were I didn't realize for some reason in my brain wheat and multigrain are the same, but they're not. They're not. No, wheat is wheat, which is one grain, <laughs> and multigrain is multigrain, which is many grains. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we just used moldy wheat bread. Yes, I mean, maybe ciabatta, maybe some crusty French bread. Ciabatta. <laughs> um. Well, the French bread, French bread, like a baguette, would be the way to go because you could just put it in How about a long, long ways, a challah bread, and just knock it in slowly till it's all the way in. Or uh, some like uh, I think we need to do, we're gonna redo this experiment <laughs> in the future if we ever have to do a clutch on something again, just yeah. because. Average Squad just gave us a kissy face for sharing their sticker. I assume that's why they gave us a kissy face, unless something you guys want to tell me. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, Alex Tatel that asked his own question. If you could build a rally car, would it be a Conquest, a VR4, or some other Mitsubishi? 
Lusty details are welcome. I would love to find an old conquest that was run in the SCCA. Okay, there's a few out there. That would be awesome. I would skip that, personally. I wouldn't skip it if I found it. I would definitely take it if I found it. But if I were to seek a car, I'm seeking Of course a... he asked about building a car. <laughs> we're like, well, would you build a conquest for it? If I were to pick a, a rally car right now without even thinking about it, I would do a four-door first-gen Lancer. All right. Because I would build it up like a Safari rally car. Okay. So the four-door version of my Blue Colt. All right. So today, if you were to build it from scratch, that would make sense. Yep. Because that's the other problem with doing a older two-door coupe mm-hmm. is that with the modern cage that needs to go in the car. It's real hard to get in. Doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> leave a lot of space inside the car. So I would go with... I would do a Colt. And I would do it in the same livery as the um, Africa rally cars and the Southern Cross Australian rally cars. So a white car, black hood, black trunk, and then the like angled stripe on the door that carries into the quarter and fender. See, I would like a Evo one through three. Yeah, those are I'd, cool. I'd build that into a rally car. Yeah, those are cool. I want one of those for a street car, which will be hopefully my next big purchase. All right, Yeti Overland. Today's my birthday. Happy birthday. No. That's all I when you nope. get. Nope. No more than that. Uh, can you swoon me with your singing? No. I, I did. He's, he, he tried to. He got what he wanted. I don't know. Are you swooned? Uh, second question. I'm swooned. Is having 13 cars by your 32nd birthday too many cars? I'm going to say I assume he has these now. Say no. He says three Forerunners, three Tacomas, three Foresters, two Jeeps, one Range Rover, one GTI. I mean, you're. he's on par to beat you. No. He beat you, right? No, I have 14 cars. Oh. Try harder. Yeah, try harder. Come back next time. Yeah. Sucker. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know if it's too many. Um, it seems like a lot of duplicates. I think it's too many, but it's because I'm in the same boat as you, and it's too many. Uh, if if you didn't have duplicates, maybe uh, not too many. But I also have duplicates, because mine would be like, three Colts, two Starians. Hey, you're the Colt guy. <laughs> you want another one? You're like, sure. You're the Starian guy. You want another one? Sure. Um. So, I, I, I don't think it's too many. Uh, most importantly, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you for joining in on that because that was very important. Yeti Overland is a regular listener. We need to make sure we treat him right. Keep mm. him around for a while. Yeah. Uh, Papa Rav says yes, which also is because that's his sticker design. So, you're welcome. And the final question of the evening, unless more have come through since we started, but I don't think they have. Nope. You could say injection killed carbs. This is from the Gearhead Project. I said that, didn't I? No. Oh. The Gearhead Project. The podcast in which Andrew forgot. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, Brian. You could say injection killed carbs. But we still have carbs. How might carb guys back in the day take advantage of the new tech and market? What might that teach us about the self-driving electric future before us? Like it or not, it's coming. We can bitch and moan. I do. Don't worry. Or we can capitalize as longtime gearheads with access to more automotive, automotive knowledge than any generation in history. Thoughts? Well, it did kill carbs. Carbs for life, bro. It did kill carbs in production cars. Carb life on my belly. Um, we don't see them in cars anymore. No. Uh, but you still see them on lawnmowers. So small engines. Hey. It's still a functional design. But as... I drove here tonight in a carbureted vehicle. Yeah, because it's old. 
Yeah, but it's still functioning in 2019. Yeah. But if you could throw a two-barrel fuel injection on there... Two-barrel fuel injection? Yeah, throttle body. Okay. It's a two-barrel carb, right? Essentially, yeah. So I like guess. a version of that that's a throttle body with injection on it, that, like a bolt-on, like a holly or that, something? They kind of make that now. There's a few different brands out there that do it. So that's the thing. That didn't exist in the early days of fuel injection from OEMs, but now it's super, super easy to take an old carbureted car and convert it and convert it to fuel injection. Mm-hmm. And if you have a car that you want to drive a lot and it doesn't need to be perfectly 100% stock, it does I'd, a lot for the drivability. For I'd sure. throw one of these kits on it. Absolutely. Just like going, like converting it to digital ignition from points. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about how I might have carb guys back in the day taking advantage of the new tech and market. So I guess the answer to that would be they would have found a way to adapt it to their carbureted vehicles sooner. Yes. To adapt the new technology. Instead of but poo-pooing it, they would have they should have embraced it sooner. Which I think is the thing with electric cars. I would like to see more electric conversions. I would like to play with an electric conversion of the car. I'm cringing now. No, I would very much I think I'm I'm too grumpy. I'd very much drive an electric car or hybrid car. If there were easy ways to do it, it's very, very expensive to do it yeah. on your own. Um, hopefully, much like converting a carb car to fuel injection was in '83, yeah, very yep. expensive. And I think we're just not there. I, I, you know, eventually, I guess at SEMA this year there were some this some conversion yeah, kits. Like year. it's GM's offering one for the new Camaro now. It's gonna get. Cheaper, or maybe that offering it, but they teased it at SEMA. And cheaper, and once it's available and cheaper to put into a private vehicles, try to jump on it. That's that's really the only limiting factor is cost, right? You yeah. could do this. I mean, I but guess you'd spend a lot of money. If I was looking to make a car that just commuted back and forth to work, maybe I'd convert an old car so I'd still have the old car looks and driving. Dude, that'd be Dynamics. awesome. That'd be awesome. But not use fuel. Yeah, but think about Maybe. it. You Maybe. you have like a 10-mile commute right now. I do? I have like a 0.7-mile okay. commute. <laughs> exactly. So if you could take, <laughs> old, you could take an old Colt and put an electric motor in it, you could it could be charged up for a whole week. Yeah, it would be. It would always start. Yeah. It would always run. You'd never have to do anything to maintain it. Yeah. And it would look and basically drive... Like your old Colt. It wouldn't really drive that much different. Say, the, the, the looks of the Colts aren't what I'm into them for. So. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't. I thought you liked the way they look. I, it, I, I do, but I'm, I was actually thinking the brown Colt. But it really about. wouldn't drive that much different. So why wouldn't you do that? It would drive a lot different because it would be automatic. You you can you can still have them with a the clutch. You could pretend to shift gears. Wouldn't be pretending. You would be. But it can also start in any gear, and you could shift gears if you really want to. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... I. As like a commuter car, like why not? I don't, I don't see any downsides to this. The only downsides is the cost. Once the downside is you lose the charm. Not really. Yeah, really. No, you lose like a bunch of the annoying stuff. It still looks cool. It's still, it's still not gonna. It's not gonna make it drive that much different. It really isn't. So I would never do this to a car that I owned one of. No. If I had two Colts, maybe I'd do it to one of them. Well, you do. Maybe I'd do it to one of them. No. 
I I I think it'd be pretty cool. Big maybe. I don't know. I just I'm too old. I'm too grumpy about it. I can't I can't do it. I I like the sound. I like the smell. I like the feeling. I like everything about the internal combustion engine in my car. I'm I'm not against new electric cars. Don't take it that way. I would totally drive an e-golf or a 500e or whatever. They look boring. But I would drive one as a commuter. I'm totally, totally into it. Totally fine. No issue with it. I just, I, I can't get on the converting old cars to electric. Don't I like guess it. That. It's just me. It's a personal opinion. That's so there's your answer to your question right there, Brian. So let me, let me turn it around. I'm not against it. As a rule, I just don't want it. If you want it, cool. Good on you. I don't want it. How's that sound? I want an electric hybrid car. If I can drop an electric hybrid drivetrain into something. Okay. So can I keep my standard original engine and driveline and run, like, electric power to the wheels for the highway? Yeah. Or, like, up to, like, a certain mile an hour, like, optionally. Like, if you're in traffic, you can just flip it to... Think about it this way. How awesome would it be to have a hybrid electric power in your old car mm-hmm. so that it works up to like 50 miles an hour or whatever. It, work, it can work up to like 60 miles an hour for like, hopefully the technology gets better. So let's say a hundred miles. Okay. So you get stuck in traffic, right? You can shut your engine gasoline off. engine off. So the car doesn't overheat yep. and you can just run and stop and go traffic on electric power. You don't have to push the clutch in. You, all you have to do is step on the brake and step on the gas and the car will just move. Okay. I'm more into this idea now. That, would be awesome, right? So we keep the original drive line for general. If purposes. you could, okay. So the, all right, there we go. We're on it. So if someone can come up with a way to adapt electric assist motors to wheels to wheels on older vehicles, yep, and and make this packaging work, yep, I think that's a viable thing, and I bet people are working on it. But that would be super slick and super cool. All right, I'm not 100 percent against it. It also sounds what I like about this idea is it sounds like something that's reversible. Yeah. So as battery technology gets better, you can have smaller battery packs, smaller engines, and less like a bolt-on hub conversion. Yeah. Almost. Either a bolt-on hub conversion or it would be some sort of conversion that would go in the back of the transmission so that you could spin the drive shaft. Spin the drive shaft. Okay. To the drive wheels somehow. Some way. On a real drive car. We got to Oh yeah, yeah. It would probably it could be something that could be created, and I bet that would be very, very cool. I'm liking where you're going with this. Maybe you shouldn't have just given the idea out to the world. <laughs> but that would be... I like it like the opposite of like like Isuzu trucks have a brake on the drive shaft. It'd be the opposite of a brake on the drive shaft. Yeah. But that's the whole point is that when you're sitting at idling, because you're getting zero fuel economy, right? and you're just creating heat, and the car could overheat and just run crappy... You might as well be on electric power. Okay. And and when it's running electric like that, it can run air conditioning. So you can be sitting in your air-conditioned old car making no noise. Let's make it move first. And stop and go traffic. Let's make it move first. It's easy once you're running off power like that. So, all right. That's that's my innovation right there. I'm the right. idea guy. There you go. We'll go with it. All right. That wraps it up. I think it does. You can find us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast. On Instagram, Auto Off Topic Find me on Instagram at Race and Anger. Go listen to the Gearhead Project because we forgot about them and they're partners with us. I didn't forget about them. Where can they find you? 
uh, TSISS350 on Instagram. All right. As always, keep cars analog or electric hybrid and aim for the roses. Don't. See? No. It's <laughs> anti the podcast. You can't do it.